What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Shaping the Culture. How y'all feeling today? How you listeners doing today? I hope you're having a beautiful day. I hope you're having a great... I'm just going to get on my DJ Khaled. You're a Don. You're an icon. You're a legend. And I don't know how you're feeling, but God loves you, and he's not done with you, and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. And so just remain faithful to... I don't know where this came from, God. I just felt it in my spirit. It was stirring in my spirit, so I had to release it. Uh, how y'all doing? Listen, I... I got. I can't go on on this episode without talking about last episode. Listen, last episode was amazing. It was phenomenal. Uh, the response, the feedback was out of this world. This just it was a humbling thing. All the texts and DMs and uh, f- even phone calls that I got in regard to that to that episode. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the episode uh, entitled "Shut Up and Listen to Meek Mill," uh, featuring my guy Moni out in San Jose, California. Listen, we had a spectacular conversation, uh, and the response has been crazy, yo. And uh, I'm so much so when I'm thinking about doing a part two to that conversation, uh, just to clear up some things because there were some things raised by some of y'all that uh, might have rubbed you the wrong way, and uh, we <laughs> we definitely don't want to cause anybody stumble. We got I would love to do an episode where we just give the context uh, to that episode and why we did what we did and who exactly we were talking to. Uh, we weren't talking to everybody. There was a, it was a specific group of people that we were talking to, but nonetheless, I think it'd be a great idea to just go back and and do a part two. So yes, thank you much, love. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody that posted it on their social media, that texted it to their friends, who reached out to me. Like yo, I am I'm humble. I'm forever grateful. Y'all are the best listeners ever. This is what I why I do what I do. This is why we have this podcast to get conversations like this going to just bring up things that you might not be thinking about or maybe have been wrestling with and you just don't have an avenue or an outlet that kind of um, speaks to to the same things. And so, um, yeah, I was actually talking with a friend of mine uh, today. And he's like, yo, you love controversy. And yes, I do. <laughs> and I think uh, I don't love controversy for the sake of loving controversy. I think uh, there's just a lot of things that we need to unlearn and relearn. And I'm passionate about that. And I'm passionate about the truth. I think the truth needs to go forth because the truth shall set us free and so um, I'm, I'm excited about this and so listen guys I am I'm excited I'm having a great day I'm, I'm getting ready to pack and get ready I'm, I'm going out of state I'm going to Vegas tomorrow and then I'll be in LA this weekend um, and I, I'm just pumped it's uh, my good friend Aaron he's getting married top of the year and we're not just doing a bachelor party guys we're doing a bachelor's retreat we're gonna have a whole weekend dedicated and we're gonna turn up but the reason why i mentioned this is because we're also going to do a podcast episode with some of my friends uh this weekend and y'all that's an episode you guys do not want to miss out on i'm telling you guys you're gonna see a different side of me because i love to be challenged and i love to challenge and uh sometimes i'm afraid of doing that with some of my uh guests or the people I interview just because the comfort level isn't all the way there but I'm this, these are with my friends okay this conversation gonna be with my friends and so we're gonna go there 
and the topic is going to be phenomenal. Just stay tuned. All right. This weekend that that episode is dropping and I promise you it'll be worth it. Um, and so but today, before we get to the next episode, we're going to talk about today's episode. Listen, I'm again, I say this every episode, but really I'm in love with I'm so excited about what we're going to be talking about today. I'm excited about the guest that we have today. Listen, we got a legend on uh, here and a hidden legend. You might not know him, but you're definitely familiar uh, with who he's impacted and maybe with the conference that he puts on. Um, it's going to be good. We're going to talk about uh, discipleship. We're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about Christian culture. We're just going to go there today. And I'm excited for you guys to kind of just listen in on uh, that conversation. Um this guy, uh, I, I met him this this past uh, this past summer. Yeah, he he had an event here in Minneapolis, and me and some friends from church got to go, got to meet him, and he's just been. He's just a phenomenal guy. I love his convictions. I love what he's given his life to. This man has literally given his whole life for the sake of the gospel. Uh, he literally put himself in uncomfortable situations, him and his family, him and his wife, in uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable places so that the gospel may go forth. Uh, when I think of this guy, I think about uh, that passage in Romans where Paul says, Yo, I don't, I don't want to go. Uh, where everybody's been before. I want to take me where nobody's gone before. I want to preach the gospel there. And in a culture where everybody's trying to take other people's followers and in a culture where uh, people are trying to take other church members, like, yo, this is this is a crazy stat. So I only know this because I'm in the process of church planting. But I don't know if you guys know this, but 99 in America, 99% of church growth is due to church uh, transference, meaning um, these 99 99% do not represent new believers. They represent believers that are leaving their church to go to whatever church it is that is growing. And that's wild. Like only 1% of the church in America is growing due to conversion. And that's crazy. And so literally due to the fact that we live in a culture where we don't want to be uncomfortable, we want to take other people's members, we want to just take other people's followers. Followers, this man is is the complete opposite of that. He's literally going where nobody's going, and he's he's living a life worthy of the gospel. And I'm excited for his wisdom and uh, his testimony, and uh, just the the great beautiful truths that he'll be sharing with us today. Um, some of you might know him. He uh, he started and he leads Legacy Conference uh, that started up in Chicago, and he he. I Legacy is a big listen. If you don't know Legacy Conference, y'all are asleep. And we're going to get into that with him. He's going to define that for us. But Legacy Conference is the conference to be at. Uh, it's just phenomenal, especially as a minor minority, uh, somebody that's black. Yo, you need to go. And if you're not a minority, if you're not black, go to this conference, too. It's dope. <laughs> um, and so he's uh, discipled uh, people you may know, people like Joseph Solomon, uh, Jackie Hill Perry and Preston Perry. Um, and so, again, a lot of behind the scenes and just doing amazing work for the kingdom of God. And so without further ado, guys, shaping the culture we got with us. Brian Die. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Yeah, I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there? Are you back home? I know you were traveling. I am. Uh, yeah, we were in Texas uh, in various cities last week. Uh, but yeah, I've been back this week for the last uh, few days now. 
Awesome, awesome. Does it feel good to be back, or you kind of miss being on the road? Man, no, I love home, dude. <laughs> um, I, I really hate being on the road, so, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do, so. For um, sure. With the legacy, legacy expanding, you know, we just uh, got to connect with, with people and leaders, and, and, you know, I enjoy it, but. Yeah. Yeah, just a lot, a lot of time on the road, which means a lot of time away from home. For sure. No, I understand. Well, let, let's just get into it. I mean, you brought up legacy. Um, for for our listeners and for those uh, who may not know, um, you you started a conference called Legacy. I don't know how many years back. Maybe you can share that with us. But uh, what is Legacy Conference and how did it start? Yeah, for sure, man. So, you know, really maybe just kind of pre-conference. You know, just to share a little bit of my heart. Um, yeah. I grew up in a semi, semi-Christian family. I believe in mother and grandmother raised me in the church. Yeah. Um, it was really a mentor at age 12 who walked life with me. Um, that I was able to see as a young boy and a man, someone who, who loved God and, and walked with him. And uh, through his, his life, you know, um, my life was transformed. Wow. And... Uh, so, and just the, the, the more I started reading scriptures, I saw, oh, this is the way God usually works. He, he works through, through people, impacting people, um, mm. people influencing people. Um, most people don't get saved by just walking into a church building, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they, they get saved because someone walks with them and loves them and shares the gospel with them and points to the scriptures, prays with them, so forth. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, man, my, my heart was just burdened, you know, just kind of looking around and, and, and seeing that we as the church, Big C Church, are, are good here in America at, at doing good programs, uh, good services. You know, we have great bands, we have great music, yeah. we have great lights, you know, I mean, youth programs, good. I mean, just, we do a lot of stuff well. Um, but what we don't do well is, is really... Uh, equipping and unleashing every member in the church wow. to not only attend church but to be the church wherever they wow. go. Um, so how, how do you how do you influence uh, the world for the kingdom of God in your workplace, yeah. in your neighborhood, um, amongst your family, the places where where you spend time, right? Yeah. And so we we just started doing trainings in Chicago, just really. Uh, challenging again, Christians, the, the 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 normal everyday Christian who who's never been to Bible schools, never been to seminary, yeah. who doesn't get paid to do ministry, um, just to equip them in, in doing and doing the work of God, um, yeah. and reproducing what has been entrusted to them into the lives of others. Um, so that in 2007 morphed into a conference. It kind of grew into a conference. Okay. Um, so we we never. We never had like a you know a, 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 a five year plan. How do we make this conference you know happen, and how do yeah. we make it big and so forth? It was no, it was just like we kept training people, and more people would show up. Wow! So it, it became became a conference. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was 2007. Uh, we had you know probably about 300 people um, uh, at that, and uh, realized well people coming from St. Louis, which is five hours from Chicago. Or, or, or Minneapolis, which is about seven hours from Chicago. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of driving in from other cities, and we realized 
oh, this is not just a need for Chicago, it's a need for, for other cities as well. Yeah. Which, so, so two years ago, we started expanding into uh, a five-city regional model. Um, and so we, we started a conference in L.A. in addition to Chicago. Yeah. And Houston, next to Atlanta, and the New York City in 2020. And, and the heart of it all, man, is, is just, again, equipping us as, as Christians to grow as disciples of Christ, right? Yeah. Just to be people of the Word, to be people dependent on prayer, uh, to be people who pursue holiness, uh, but then also people who now, again, make disciples um, yeah. into the lives of others. So, so I mean, that's, that's pretty much the, the legacy. And, you know, we have online content that we put out uh, via social media, our website, uh, people can download the Legacy Disciple app and get all the workshops that have been taught at the Legacy. Oh, wow. Uh, but but we, just want, we just want to be, a, again, a resource uh, for the church to, to grow and be disciple makers of, of other, other cities. That's so good. Um, why, why do you think that you know, I, I love that, you know, the conference wasn't, you know, the initial aim. It was just equipping people to know God and to, to help others know God. Why, why do you think it is in America that um, disciple making isn't, isn't necessarily a discipline that's practiced or preached or even promoted? Uh, why is it that, do you think churches stop being the church after they've attended service uh, Sunday morning? Yeah. Yeah. Man, we're, we're, we're lazy. <laughs> Just people in general. We look for the easy way, right? So yeah. rather than going home and making dinner, we go stop at a restaurant on the way home, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know it's not as healthy. You know you're, you're going to spend more money doing that yeah. and so forth. But, you know, it's, it's easier, right? And so we, we, we take the path of least resistance. Uh, least, least amount of work. Um, so the same thing with disciple making. Um, Jesus called his disciples. He commanded them right before he left. He said, "Go make disciples." Yeah. You know. So the idea is not go uh, find disciples, right? Not go and um, you know search for disciples, but it's like mm. no, you make them. Yeah. Right. So it means you take something that's not a disciple right now. And you and you and you create a disciple, right? Yeah. Um, so that takes. I mean, Jesus with his disciples took three years. Yeah. And and, and, and even in that context, he, he chose people um, who came from the Jewish context. Um, and in the Jewish context, boys specifically would memorize the Torah yeah. by age nine or ten years old. Uh, first five books of the Old Testament. Um, they they mostly came from intact families. You know, divorce wasn't big. Uh, single parent homes weren't big, right? Yeah. So they came from healthy families. They came from healthy spiritual backgrounds, right? Yeah. And yet it still took Jesus three years. And, and even at the end of that time, Peter denies him three times, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, right? It, but then Jesus with them, like, literally almost 24-7. Uh, he's spending time with them. He's teaching them. He's, 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 serving with them, right? Yeah. Um, everywhere he goes, they go. Yeah. And we as Americans, man, um, and we just not use that kind of lifestyle, you know? Mm. It's, it's, again, uh, you know, so, so it becomes easy. Okay, well, let's put this program on, right? Well, we'll do six months of planning for it, 
you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll put all this time and energy into it and finances into it, and then yeah. we'll, we'll do it, and, and, and we get surprised that only, like, five people showed up, you know, mm. come outside the church, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we, we, but then we do the same thing the next year, right? We're planning wow. to go in again and put wow. these resources into it, and, um, like, what would it look like if this, instead of putting all that time and resources into this event that barely anyone from outside the church comes to, what would it look like if if we equipped the believers who did come to the church, right? Yeah. To to impact in, in, in circles that they already have influence, right? Yeah. yeah. So as, as, as a pastor, you know, the, the, the pastor could only have so many relationships with them, non-believers, right? They yeah. might have non-believers in their family. They might have non-believers... Uh, on the block and so forth right yeah um, but yet we we put all the expectations of the, of the pastor to do all the ministry mm, right yeah um, when, when again like if, if if we are all equipped in the church then we're multiplying the influence that we have right yeah so not just the the pastor's unbelieving family friends and, and neighbors it's it's 200 people in the church or 150 people in the church or 500 people in the church right yeah, yeah. Um, so but but again we, we, we take the path of least resistance we, we take the easy route um, and so it's easier to just do a program and kind of pat ourselves on the back <laughs> and say look what we did this was good you know yeah um, but it, you know again it, it accomplishes very little uh, yeah, that's real. I mean, um, you know, I love that you touched on, you know, just convenience being um, just a stumbling block here in America. But, you know, in conversations I have with some people, um, it's interesting. Like one of my favorite passages I, you know, um, share is Ephesians 4, where, you know, the, the job of a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so... Essentially, the the ones that are doing ministry is the body. Um, But a lot of people either don't know that or when they hear that are taken aback by that. Why do you think that is? Do you think the church hasn't really... um, I know we put on conferences and things of that nature, but do you think that the church um, also is responsible for not sharing um, or maybe even um, just challenging the congregation to, to live a life of ministry? Yeah, yeah, for sure that plays into it as well. It's it's the ideal is is you know typically a pastor right went to Bible school or seminary in many <laughs> settings right. Yeah, um, they 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 become the professional right. And yeah. So if, if if my laptop crashes, you know I don't take it to some random dude on the corner right. Yeah. Um, I take it to to. Uh, um, a geek squad or, or something like that, yeah, right? Um, yeah. Someone who, who who knows what they're doing, and so we we take that same mentality into the church, where there's we we create experts mm. at ministry, right? Wow. Um, and and it's and it's great because we we need to be training up experts, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. But again, we need to expand the number of, of experts, and so yeah. So what you have is, you know, you have a pastor who's been through all this training, right? Um, and, uh, you know, the church hires them on, gives them the position, right? And and now, you know, 
he sees himself as, well, I'm the one who went to, to Bible school or seminary, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the one who, who has 40, 50 hours a week to do this, right? Yeah. And so they just take on more weight and more weight, right? Yeah. Um, and they're less likely to let other people preach because, well, they're just not as good as, as, good as I am, right? Yeah. So less likely to let other people do real ministry. I mean, you could usher... <laughs> you know, you could do children's church, you yeah. can help out the youth, right? But but beyond that, you you know, again, I'm the expert as, as yeah. the pastor. Um, and then, but then on the other side, though, uh, the parishioners, right, the members, it's it's the mindset of it, it, I, I passed the buck out, right? Yeah. It's, it's I, I've given my offering, and through that offering, we paid a pastor. Now it's it's their job, right, to do wow. ministry, and so it, it's just. You know, it's, so it, it, it's the mentality. It's, instead of really hope, helping the homeless person in your neighborhood, mm. you know, you, you you just you just give them a few dollars here and there, right? Yeah. Which which doesn't doesn't really help them. It just it alleviates our guilt, you know. Wow. Um, yeah. Thinking that that, that we we've, we've done something, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, as, as members, like we have to do no, no, I, We don't just pay the pastor to do it. We, we pay the pastor as, he's the one who's been to seminary Bible school, let's say, right? Yeah. And now we're paying him to give us the same kind of training that he's gotten, right? Yeah. Um, because, because again, we don't have the time or the resources to go to Bible school or seminary. Yeah. Um, and so, as you said, he's a feast for 11, right? His job now is to be our seminary professor, right? Yeah. Uh, to, to equip us and to train us. So, again, he reproduces himself real man well i just to follow up with that just a question um if i'm not mistaken your focus is part primarily the urban context right as you make disciples um right yeah. am i okay so yeah yeah no yep. for sure so i uh so we're uh you know we, we talked about this uh the last time we met but you know we're, we're in the process of planting a church and you know we're we're planting it in east st paul and there's not a lot of, and East St. Paul's, um, <laughs> it's not, it's not the most safest place to be, um, or the most, um, I don't know, the, there's not a lot of money there. There's not a lot of resources there or what have you. But what, what I've realized is there's not a lot of people, um, really, really in that context. There's not a lot of people in the urban context preaching the gospel. A lot of places, they, they're either in the downtown area or the, in the, in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, why, why do you think that the urban context is, uh, forsaken? Like why, why do you think that people aren't going there, um, to preach the gospel? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, right? It's, if you go into a suburban context, right, um, which, which we need churches in, in those contexts. Absolutely. Right? I'm not, not negating that for sure, but, but definitely the, the, the stream 
tends to flow that way a lot easier. Um, again, it's easy, right? It's, it's yeah. one for me and my family, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's more comfortable, it's more safe, so forth. Um, but two, also, when, when, you go, when you go to minister in a suburban context, you're basically dealing with people who still have sin issues, right, as much as in the urban inner city context, mm. uh, but who, who, who at least mask it better, right? And so, yeah. um, but, so when, when I preach to them, right, and, and, and I challenge them, hey, we need to be people of the word, right? And so, so make sure that you're spending time meditating on the word day and night, right? Yeah. Um, they, they could take that and run with it. Yeah. But in, in an urban, especially when we're talking about inner city kind of more context, if, if I tell my people to, to meditate on the word, to read it, well, what happens if they can't read? Wow. Well, what happens if, if their reading comprehension isn't all that great? Yeah, right? yeah. Now as, now as a pastor, I'm not just a pastor. Now I have to become, I have to figure out a way to help them learn how to read. Yeah. Um, if, if I, in, in a suburban context, right, teach my people, A, be generous with your giving, right? Mm. Um, well, they've probably been taught how to budget. They, they probably have more access resources, right? Yeah. And which, therefore, they could be generous in their giving, right? It's, yeah. It's more so of a heart issue for them. In the industry context, when you, when you say the same thing, right, you know, it's like, well, one, they may not never have been taught how, taught how to budget, how to prioritize things, right? Yeah. Uh, but two, they may just be living check to check, right? Wow. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so, so, what do you what do you do in that situation? Well, you gotta you gotta have budgeting classes, right? Yeah. You gotta teach people how finances work, right? Um, you gotta help people get get a college degree or or a trade, right? So that yeah. they could get a better job to pay and support the family and be generous in the yeah. given, right? Um, so it's just, it, 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 you you multiply your work, you know? And and, and as, as a pastor, again, you only have so many hours, so much time, right? Yeah. And so it, it's, uh, if I go here, I'm gonna be spending more time and I would be working with people who can't give as generously. Yeah. So, um, so I'm not going to hire more staff to help me, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so you, so you have you have less staff doing more work, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and that's just who wants. If you have the choice between those two jobs, <laughs> yeah. which, which one are you going to take? Yeah, right. If, that's real. If, if we simply just go with the flesh, right, we're, we're going to take away, again, it's, it's more comfortable. Yeah. The path of least resistance, right? Yeah. Um, and so it really takes someone who's, who realizes, okay, this is going to be a much harder job for a lot less pay. Yeah. Um, but but I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to be called to this. I'm going to be committed to this. And, and I'm going to be willing to walk with people. Again, if, if, if Jesus took three years, basically walking 24-7 with his disciples, yeah. who came from healthy families, who learned, knew how to read, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and were memorized the scriptures, the, the first five books of the Bible, by 10 years old, right? Yeah. Um, if, he, if he takes his three years and that setting to make them into leaders, Man, in a in a inner city context, yeah, you know, I, 
I've always heard, man, you, you better count on like 10 or 15 years at least. Wow. You know? Wow. Um, because again, there's just a whole lot more you gotta walk people through. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a whole lot more roles. You gotta become, you gotta become uh, not only a pastor, but a, a teacher, an academic teacher, right? Yeah. You become a, a, a job headhunter, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you gotta you got do all these extra, extra roles. Yeah. How, how, how have you kept the faith? How have you persevered? Um, you being in this context and obviously being the, the harder route, um, what's kind of kept you grounded? What's kind of kept you going um, in the context that you're in? Yeah. And for me, just seeing the fruit in my own heart and my own life. Mm. Um and it, it causes me to become dependent upon God in a way that that we just don't become dependent in, in comfortable situations. Wow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I, I need you to work in this life. I, man, this, this this person I'm shepherding, walking with, has been addicted to drugs for thirty years. Yeah, I don't know how to kick them off. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I need I need your power to set them free. Right? Uh, man, I got this this person, this single mom who has. You know, six kids, and um, you know, is working three jobs to to, to, to provide. And man, like, how do I how do I help her? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how do we come alongside of her as a church and support her children, and so forth? Um, yeah. So it's it's really been good and sanctified for my own soul. Wow. Uh, to 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 know that I have to. Um, cry out to God, you know, independence. Um, and then to see him come through, right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean imagine being Israel, you, the, the, mm. you have you have each Egypt, the army of Egypt coming behind you, right? And you have a sea in front of you. It looks like there's no hope, right? Yeah. And yet God parts the sea. Mm. And you walk across dry land, so right? Good. Yeah. Um, that that builds your faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it gives you reason to worship, gives you reason to celebrate. Um, so, so that's that's how I, you know I try to see it. Like God sanctifying me through this, you know. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus said this, right? Pick up your cross daily and follow me. And yeah. What does it mean to pick up a cross unless it, unless there's some suffering involved in it, right? Yeah. Um, we I think we over spiritualize that that verse. <laughs> you know, thinking yeah. that thinking of my cross just simply means you know. You know, I stubbed my toe and I just need to deal with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, no, like, the cross was a means of death, right? Come on, yeah. Um, and for Jesus, it was a means of death for, for the innocent, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And so as, as Christians who, who are in Christ, who are following after Christ, you know, we have to be people who, not, not, not um, you know, look to become martyrs, right? And just, yeah. you know, look to inflict pain on ourselves um, yeah. but be willing to go places even 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 though it's going to be difficult right yeah. and knowing that through that again God's going to God's going to grow us yeah that's so good well I, I remember um, this past summer when you came out to Minneapolis I was there for the the panel or the just like the Q&A session and yeah. I remember you saying that this year was probably the hardest year for you as far as ministry goes 
And so I, I just kind of wanted to ask, what has been the hardest part for you uh, being in that context and, and really trying to build the kingdom of God? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, when, when I shared that, you know, still kind of going through through a lot of that. Mm. Um, you know, just when you, when you point somebody, when you walk with somebody, when you uh, see them serve and then uh, see them fall away from the faith. Mm. Um, yeah. Man, it's just disheartening, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really discouraging because you, 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 care for the soul. They're not just a number mm. in, in the membership role, right? They're, That's so good. There's, there's a relationship there. There's a, there's a deep friendship there. Um, and, uh, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's just difficult. And, and, you know, when, when I would read Paul's letters and, and, you know, hear him say stuff like, you know, everybody deserted me, everybody left me, you know? Wow. Um, yeah. You know, I, I used to think, man, Paul, like, what's wrong with your leadership? You know, it's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why people keep leaving, right? Yeah. Um, but, but that's, uh, unfortunately, the, the, the reality is, is people who are walking in the faith today, who are serving in the faith today, um, could very well, if they're not careful, uh, be far from that. Yeah. In two or three more years, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you plead with them and you beg them, right? And you pray for them. And, yeah. And you just not seeing the response. And then, um, so, uh, yeah, so in the matter of the, the past, you know, couple of years, it's been, a, it's been a handful of people that have, have been, I would say, co laborers in the gospel, good friends. Yeah. Who, who have have wandered uh, from the faith? Wow. Um, and you know, um, and man, I'm just I, I know God's not done with them yet. Yeah. You know, that's my hope. You know, my hope is is that is that if, if the Spirit is living within them, the Spirit will continue the work. Yeah. And will carry it out to completion. To Come the on, man, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you just you just never know what God's gonna do. Yeah. You know? uh, but in the season again, it, it hurts. You know. Yeah. Because um, it's somebody you care about and love. That's real. Well, we'll be praying for you um, and some of your friends um, as well, and uh, we know that God that. will show Himself to be faithful for sure. Um, I know we don't got a lot of time with you, um, but I just kind of, uh, I, I had some questions about the church, uh, that you pastor out in Chicago and, uh, you have a very unorthodox way of doing church culturally speaking, I should say, not biblically. Um, can you explain to our listeners how you do church and how, or, and what led you to doing church the way you do church? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do house church, uh, which, you know, I, I know there's a lot of churches that have been started in homes yeah. in America, right? Um, but then typically the goal is once you outgrow the home to get a building and so yeah. forth, right? But we, we've intentionally chosen to stay a house church model. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's what we see in the early church, right? Um, and, yeah. and, again, it's not to say that the house church is, is the biblical way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely 
definitely we see it in scriptures yeah. um, in, a, in the early age, right? In the early times um, when when Christians didn't have a whole lot of resources and they just they met in each other's homes. Um, yeah. We see it in a lot of countries around the world, especially countries that are persecuted for the faith uh, in China and in, in Iran and in different parts uh, like that. Yeah. Um, where the, the house church is flourishing and is growing. Um, so, so it's just, again, definitely a, a, a model that we see in scriptures and we see in, in, in the church around the world. Um, but, but, again, we don't see it a whole lot of states, except, I would say, usually what I've had interactions with the house church people in the past has been like people who are just disgruntled, bitter, you know, about the traditional church that had a bad experience, whatever. Yeah. They just, you know, kind of go off on their own and gather a few people, right? And uh, they're just growing bitter together, you know? Yeah. And that's definitely, that's definitely not um, kind of the, the house church model that, that I would encourage. Um, mm. so, so for us, it was really, man, we, we uh, a group of us were praying about starting a church back in 2008. Yeah. And uh, just asking God, God, what will this look like? Because we knew that financially it takes a lot to start a church uh, and, and maintain a church. Yeah. Um, we 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 just we just knew, you know, the, the work that will entail and so forth. And um, and you know, did, did did our neighborhood need just another another church um, as is? You know, as as we're just following the. the um, the pattern of, of what's been going on. So yeah. we uh, we went to Royal Zambia. Someone asked us to go to Royal Zambia to train up some pastors there. And wow. initially, you know, I've, I've never been to Bible school. I've never been to seminary. Yeah. Um, and, and there were five of us that, that went, and none of us have ever been to Bible school or seminary. Okay. Uh, so initially, we were like, you know, we, we have nothing to offer pastors. Like, mm. I'm not even a pastor myself, right? Um, yeah. But we were sure, like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> If, if, if you have a basic, if you've been in church in America for for six months, if if you if you grew up in Sunday school, like you have you have you have plenty to, to wow. pass on. Yeah. And it just hit me like, man, we, we just have an abundance of teaching and training and podcasts, and you know, we have so much here access, yeah. so much here that, that most of the world doesn't have access to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, so, so we go, right? We, we land in Lusaka in, uh, in Zambia. We drive 12 hours to the bush. Wow. Um, there's no electricity, no internet, no TV, right? Yeah. Nothing. Um, these, this group of pastors uh, will gather together once a year for a week uh, of training. It's yeah. like their seminary. And then they go back to their villages. So, so they, they would travel, some of them, hours or several hours by boat, some of them even days by boat, wow. um, do swamp water, you know, type thing. And yeah. And so the first day we're there, uh, they, uh, we, we got there first, and then we see them pulling up in their canoes, right, and they're coming <laughs> up uh, to where we're at uh, with, with their families, children, wives, everything, and, and they sit down, right, and, and the pastors start to stand up one after another, but say last year when we gathered together, we we set the mission, we set the goal of preaching the gospel in this village that was, you know, five hours from us. Mm. And we went and preached the gospel. Ten people got saved, and, wow. and, and we raised up the pastor. And there's a pastor that meeting under a tree, like story after story like that. And 
Mm. And when we saw that, we're like, man, we, we didn't come here to train them. They, we came uh, here to be trained by them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, man, they just, they just ministered to us so much that week. And just seeing here, they literally have nothing. Mm. And they're all peanut farmers and, and you know, they work the ground um, to, to support their families. They, there's, there's no money to get paid as a pastor there, right? Yeah. Um, they have no money for buildings. They're, they're meeting in huts, they're meeting under a tree, yeah. um, so forth. Um, man, they're just, they're, they're going preaching the gospel. They're going raising up leaders. They're, yeah. You know, um, yeah. we're like, man, we have so much resources, yet we, we're not, we don't have the same amount of fruit wow. that they have. Yeah. How, how do they have less resources but more fruit? Mm. Um, and we just started to realize, you know what? It's probably because they, uh, and they they've got something figured out, right? Yeah. So so on the plane ride back, we just the five of us started brainstorming, and what would it look like to model the church after what we saw in World Zambia, more so than than what we see in in, in our city of wow. Chicago and America, right? Yeah. Um. Again, there's there's churches in Chicago who are doing great things. I, I have so many good friendships with great pastors in the city. Um. But and we, we we need more models, you're right? Yeah. We need um and we, we just need to get outside the box. Yeah. Right? So for us the house church made sense. One, financially it just you know, um costs a whole lot less money. Yeah. It costs really no money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day. Um but so eighty percent of our giving is able to go outward, we're able to bless wow. our community. We you know, we, we support local schools, we, we you know, bring refreshments, we uh, bless teachers, right? We, we provide equipment for schools, right? Man, um, that's so good. We support mentorship programs around the city. Um, we, we support global mission missionaries, um, works that are going on in different parts of the world. So like 80, literally 80% of our giving is able to go out now. Yeah. Um, and then we have 20%, you know, that that, that is for local, um, local church stuff but yeah. um, so so finance financially just made a lot of sense but then too the, with the breakdown of the family um, you know I was talking some of this last week is I think America was able to get away with traditional church minus kind of discipleship relationships yeah. for so long because the family was relatively intact right mm. um, and, and both a white Latino black anywhere you went you know, the, the families were relatively intact. Yeah. Most children were growing up with both parents, right? Yeah. Um, and so you, you had the family structure. You had the family support, right? Yeah. You, you had the parents who were training you and becoming a man or a woman, right? Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and you were having family devotions together, right? I mean, like like all this stuff, right? So, so you didn't work dependent upon the church to provide as much mm, right yeah. um, but now again with, with the breakdown of the family and by breakdown one absentee fathers but yeah. two also is just with with the way we are in our country where um, we always want to outdo the Joneses right we always want, yeah. want to outdo the family next door <laughs> um, both parents are working extremely long hours yeah and and so the kids are, are really raising themselves. Social media is raising them, right? Mm. Uh, video games are raising them. 
Um, and so in, in a day and age where so many people are connected via social media, you know, you have a thousand Facebook friends, 2,000 Instagram followers, you know, whatever the reality is, like people feel alone. Yeah. They, they, they feel isolated. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so they're, they're longing for family. They're longing for community. In the inner city context, right, they're, they're going to find this in, in the gangs. Already, 
uh, by staff people that how do people grow mm. in leadership? How do people, right? It's yeah. like, you're not going to grow as a leader just by ushering, you yeah. know? Yeah. You're not by doing a park, park and attendant job, right? Yeah. Uh, walk's been greeted. I mean, all those are, are good ways to serve, but you're not growing as a leader in those ways. Yeah. Um, and so, so again, the house church uh, allows us to to have needs that have to be stepped into. Yeah. And when those needs are there, people step into them, right? Wow. Uh, and, 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 and so, so we've been able to, you know, raise up elders within within our church. We're able to raise up leaders within our church, and mm. so, you know, it's kind of a sad fact that most churches. Uh, when, when their pastor retires or the pastor steps down, they, they start a search committee, right? They yeah. start uh, receiving resumes from, from wow. people who graduated from seminary or whatever, right, to become their pastor. It's like, yeah. And that, that's because, again, we haven't formed leaders within our own churches. That's so like, good, man. We should, we should, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in, in raising up with leaders, making disciples, yeah. A church should never have to go outside to find its next pastor or leader. That's so it should good. never happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so for us, you know, those are kind of the reasons why we chose the house church model. Again, you know, we need different models. Different models work for different people. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but but I, I, I think we're going to see more house churches happen, specifically in the urban context, over the next couple of decades. I think yeah. it's become more more normal than it is now for sure that's what's up yeah i'm not gonna lie hearing you talk about the the three different uh things that you guys have uh whether it be the the finance the family and formation i'm i'm low-key tempted (laughs) it sounds really good it sounds like a biblical church and so um that's awesome i'm so glad that you guys are doing that um in chicago um, I, I have one last question uh, for you. As I'm, I'm a young guy, I'm 27 years old, and we're in the process of planning um, a church. What advice would you give me um, when it comes to uh, planting a church, when it comes to being the church, when it comes to leading people and raising up leaders, whatever it may be? Like, what 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 would be the thing that you would want to pass on? For sure, for sure. Man, brother, I, I would, I would challenge you with, with this one thing: is um, in the scriptures, we are never commanded to plant churches. Yeah. And then this, this sounds weird, right? Yeah. Um, we are commanded to make disciples. Come on. Right? Yeah. Um, Jesus said, "I will build my church." Come on. The gates of hell would not prevail against it, right? Yeah. So, when we, when we focus on what we're supposed to focus on, making disciples, the church will form, the church will grow, That's the right churches will be planted, right? Yeah. Um, Jesus will do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. When we do what we're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Um, if our focus is on planted churches or pastor churches or whatever, um, Disciples often aren't made. Mm. Because, again, it, there's, a, there's a difference between growing a church and making disciples. Yeah. Making disciples is a longer-term process. Yeah. It's slower, you know? Yeah. Building a church, if, if you have a, a dynamic worship leader, 
and a dynamic preacher at a, at, a, at a good children's program, you will have a growing church. Wow. Guaranteed. Yeah. Wherever you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, because we, we're here in America, we're, we're a consumerist society, right? Yeah. And so people always look for something that's better. And yeah. so they'll leave their church that as long as your church does it better, right? Wow. So wow. it doesn't mean people are getting saved, but you will grow a larger church yeah. um, if, you, if you do those things. But again, you, you just fill in the pews with people who are are shopping for wow. a church in the same way they shop for a car, yeah. you know, or shop for anything else. Um, we don't need shoppers to, <laughs> yeah. to fill our pews, right? Yeah. Need producers to, to fill our pews, uh, yeah. so that we as as leaders can equip them uh, to do the work of the ministry. Yeah, to go and, and become friends of sinners, right, and yeah. to share the gospel uh, in those dark places. To be the light, right? Light. Huh. Uh, it, it always gets me that light. As Christians, we're commanded to be the light of the world, right? Yeah. But yeah, we're always hanging out together. It's like, <laughs> okay, I, I totally understand community, biblical community is needed, right? Yeah. But but biblical community is needed so that you could brighten your light <laughs> so that you could go in a dark place and yeah. offer it, right? Yeah. Uh, to, to a dark world. Um, so we, we have to equip to get our people to do that. Um, and so focusing on, again, raising up disciples, making disciples, even though, again, man, people, other pastors will ask you, how, so how big is your church? Oh, it's 30 people. Man, I have 3,000, 3, <laughs> right? As, as, like a, a pastor, that could be like disheartening, right? If yeah. I got my mind in the right place, right? Yeah. It's like, dang, man. <laughs> um, I only have 30. Yeah. But in, in another 10 years, that church could still have 3,000, and, and, and you could now have 3,000, right? Yeah. Um, if, again, you're focusing on pouring into disciples, right? Because yeah. now, disciples are going to go, you're going to send them out to, to yeah. the end of the world. You're going to send them out to other cities. You're going to start other churches, right? Um, yeah. you, you, you're going to be sending them out, right? Yeah. Um, so, so be okay with that. Um, For sure. And then, and then uh, man, my last, last word will be, uh, and stay connected to the vine, right? Mm. John 15. Yeah. Um, if your words uh, abide in me, if my words abide in you, you know, um, we will bear much fruit, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we can do nothing on our own strength. Yeah, that's good. Our own power. Like, man, our work is, is futile. It's worthless. Yeah. It's right? Um, so I, I need I need the power of God mm. uh, to be at work in me yeah. right to keep me uh, from falling right yeah. to yeah. keep me from from losing the faith to keep me from uh, cheating on my wife mm. you know whatever whatever yeah. um, and, and, and I need his power to, to minister to others yeah because um, man I I don't know what to say to half these crazy people who come to me for counsel, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, man, I don't know what to say, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, need, I need the spirit to speak to me in, in those moments. So, yeah, yeah stay, stay connected to the vine. Absolutely. 
That's so good, man. That's a word. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on here and letting me interview you and um, thankful for all the wisdom that you shared and just being vulnerable and open with your experiences. And uh, I'm grateful for people like you. Uh, you're making the universal church um, look good. And so thanks for being uh, faithful to God and being an example for a lot of us and uh, fighting the good fight of faith. We'll pray for you. You pray for us and uh, uh, it'll be good. Thank you. Praise God, man. Well, thanks, thanks for the time. Yeah. Uh, looking, looking forward to see what God does uh, there in Minneapolis. Doing thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you again. And um, have a good rest of your day. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate it. It was good talking. Hope to talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, there you guys have it. That was Brian Dye. Uh, such a good guy. So much wisdom he shared with us. Uh, just uh, want to encourage whoever's listening. I know we talked about a lot of things, but um let's uh you know I, I was convicted you know thinking about why we plant churches in the suburbs or you know why we're not in the urban context and it's really a matter of um it's a matter of comfort and i love how real he was about how re- uh, how hard discipleship can get and the difficulty that comes with that and the time that it takes with that but we are called to be the church we are called to go and make this, I mean, even to the, like the advice that he gave at the end where, you know, don't, you're not the one planning the church. God is the one who builds the church, our job, the responsibility he's given us to make disciples. And so I just want to encourage whoever is listening, um, to be, to be, to be one that takes that call seriously. Um, that, you know, I mean, yeah, man, so many things I'm, I'm also <laughs> processing as I'm speaking, but just how you see that different churches don't raise up leaders or if you're in a bigger context, you're not maybe going to be put in a position where you could lead and really grow as a leader. But I really encourage you, whether you're at a big church or not or whatever in the suburbs or not, that doesn't really matter, but just making sure you're stepping out as a leader and obeying God, that you're making disciples in the workplace, that you're making disciples um, in the work in, in in your schools that you're making disciples within your families and within your communities, um, let's take that seriously. You know, I um I just preached the last sermon of 2018 this past weekend, and I was sharing with my congregation that uh, this year, 2018, I've given a lot of messages on the mission, making disciples, and living a life that will count for eternity. And I was being honest. I was like, listen, like I. This wasn't intentional. I wasn't out here looking for passages that, um, that you know, kind of support that or for that. I was just trying to be faithful to whatever text the Lord had put on my heart or where I was led to. And I just saw it everywhere. You know, I mean, even this past Sunday, uh, I gave a word on anxiety and, and, and worry. And the, the passage that I was studying, literally the way it ended was, you know, don't be like the pagans, right? Don't be like the Gentiles, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else should be. There was this element of, yo, like, again, be kingdom minded, be kingdom set. And a lot of us, I think we're living lives that are just for this, this life and this life alone. Uh, but real legacy, um, something that will, that you could take to eternity with you, that when this world ends, right, something that won't end, something that won't 
cease to exist is what you did for the kingdom of God and you being true to what God has called you to. And so, yeah, um, I hope you learned a thing or two in this episode. Really enjoyed uh, the conversation I had with Brian Dye. Um, And again, I'm excited for the episode we're going to shoot this weekend as well. So stay tuned. Um, So until then, family, peace and grace.